Find Your Faith with the Find Your Faith podcast. everyone and welcome to another episode of my find your feet podcast it's great to be back behind the microphone after a wild and woolly trip to japan where we dodged the large typhoons that embraced the country while we were there i'm pretty excited about today's conversation because um it's taken me down another avenue that i didn't really know a lot about but something that i do really believe in the importance of and that's meditation so my guest today is a guy by the name of Ivan Zwart, who lives down here in Tasmania and who has written a book called Finding Happy Ground, A Practical Guide to Hope and Happiness. Ivan has come from a background of corporate jobs, working life, um, grief and loss, excitement and happiness. And I guess a range of challenges that have also come from um, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And yet through all of this, Ivan found that what helped him the most was heart meditation. So I can hear you go, well, what is heart meditation? Well, it really is a meditation practice which focuses on the center of your heart region and smiling into the heart. Now, I know this is going to sound whimsical, and I guess that in, in when I read the book and read Ivan's words, this was one of his greatest fears, was of sharing this joy of heart meditation and the well-being and happiness that has come from it with other people. He was very afraid of that because he felt that he might be judged as woo-woo and spiritual. But I've read the book. And I honestly believe that it couldn't, can really help us to better manage the challenges of emotions that we experience, such as anger, fear, and sadness, and to think in ways that can improve our relationships, our own life, and to make really great lifestyle choices. Look, I loved the book, and that was why I reached out to Ivan and said, not only do I want to copy it, um, our store finds your feet, but I really want to get you onto the podcast. So I'm hoping that you're going to love this conversation as much as um, I do. I also just want to um, thank everyone for listening and to remind you that behind the scenes is the Find Your Feet team that are working really hard to ensure that we have all the um, equipment, apparel and tips and tricks to help you to perform wilder and chase your wildest dreams. So if you're new to it, you can go across to www.findyourfeet.com.au and use the 20% discount code podcast at checkout to get that 20% off. So the 20% discount code is podcast to access a 20% discount. I also just want to let you know that I've completed a beginner's trail running guide to trail running. So the beginner's guide is actually a six month training plan with lots and lots of ideas and tips and tricks and everything you need to know really about getting started in trail running. Um, that is now available on my website. I would recommend using it alongside my trail running guidebook, which has now been out for um, 12 months and sold over 8,000 copies. So huge thanks to everyone who's been using that resource. But I hope that maybe this six month beginner's guide to trail running could help you, or maybe it's friend and family 
to really experience the joys of trail running. So jump across to my website to grab that. Um, and don't forget that there's a whole suite of other resources there. There's guides for 50 kilometer, 100 kilometer, event specific, multi-day, marathon running, 100 milers. There's so many different resources there to help you out. So jump across to my website, www.hannyolston.com.au. And finally, I just want to thank um, everyone who's embraced the tours this year. We've had over 160 guests through the trips this year, and we have been on some very wild, woolly, fun, and exciting adventures. So if you want to be a part of these in 2020, we have very limited places remaining, but we would still love to hear from you because we can always pop your name on the wait list. So if you're keen to see what we're doing, um, to read more about trips to Bulgaria, Japan, Tasmania, where else are we headed? France, uh, Chamonix, so that's France again. But if you are interested in any of those trips and all the learning that actually is embedded within them, then jump across to www.findyourfeettours.com.au. All right, I'm really ready to have this conversation with Ivan. I can't wait for you guys to listen to it and to get some feedback from you as you do. And if you want to read a copy of his book, you can go across to the Find Your Feet website, findyourfeet.com.au, because we have some copies of the book there. Excellent. Here it is. This is the conversation with Ivan and Finding Happy Ground. like i just want to say i loved your book is it you did you self-publish the yeah, book yeah, yeah. yeah so um did you have an editor when you did it or yeah i've it? had i had um i paid a professional editor and yeah, okay. then and then i had about eight nine friends read it and yeah. some of them have uh, one of them was um actually works in a bookstore so he, he's got an english degree yeah um you know had other, other friends who were kind of university educated so you know i got quite there there, in some of the initial um the initial one that i printed i actually read through it again and and there were some typos in it because of um uh, the transfer from word into into indesign so some weird things came in um but it actually it's it's fine it's fine now yeah (laughs) yeah but no i did have it oh it reads beautifully like and it's very you've been so honest in it um yeah yeah did did any, what were your beta? What was the feedback from your beta readers when they read the book? Was everyone like super supportive, or did you find people saying, "Oh, maybe you could have written it in a different way"? Or um, no, people were really nice actually. And I said, "Don't be kind to me," you know. I, I said, "Just um, just be honest," because I want honest feedback, you know. And um, it was all pretty good. Although the first, I did a really early draft, and um, I mean, I was honest in the book. But I didn't tell the whole story, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, and I don't think I ever will in terms of um, the, the really tough times in my life. Because um, I gave it to my wife and she read the first chapter and she was like, oh, you just, no, nah, I can't, you can't yeah. say that, you know. It was just too hard. Yeah. So, um, you know, my story's paired back. But in a sense, I didn't want 
to tell that much anyway. Like, well, it's because it that's not the purpose of the book. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, it didn't come across as feeling like this is a memoir. It was no, more like, I need no. you to trust me. I need you to realise that I'm a real, authentic and honest person mm. so that you get that relatability. And then I can want to be able to teach you some of the stuff that I've learned. Yeah. That's how it came across. Good. Because yeah. that's how I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, the only the only reason really for telling my story was to provide context. Yeah. So people go, well, why would you write a book about happiness? You know, um, because most of the books written about happiness are actually um, from academics. Mm. You know, and it's good that academics write books about happiness because it's good to have things that are researched and all the rest of it. Um, but of course, in my case, it was more lived experience. Um, yeah, like you wanted to bring it down to the to my level, like to the everyday person's level. Um, that's what it. That's how it came across. Is like you've done your you've done your homework and you mm. know the science, but here's the practicality of how you can bring that into your life. Yeah. And, these, yeah. and I, what I loved about it was that you asked. You had all these little like breakout sections where you asked questions, mm. where you challenged the reader. You'd be like, you know, have you thought about this? How would this look for you? Mm. Where do you see this playing out in your life? And you're really asking people to have a journal or a piece of paper in front of them and really do the homework as they read the book. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Um, and I guess the other thing that came to my mind when I was reading it was that there really is a difference between honesty and openness, and, and that's probably what you're saying in the first right of the book is that you wanted to be honest and you were honest, but you weren't 100% open. No, You know, you kept some close to your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and people don't know. There's certain things that people don't need to know. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't it doesn't in, improve their life, you know, knowing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what I think is in there hopefully is, well, this is what you need to know. <laughs> this is what I, and you know, um, hopefully you can learn from it. Mm. Um and um yeah without going into the gory details it's yeah. just not <laughs> it's not helpful and when yeah. you wrote the book did you have like a, a specific personal audience in mind as you wrote the book like that you were sort of writing it to someone or was it really just um a big in some ways a brain dump <laughs> um yeah well it's uh, okay so um maybe six years ago um uh i was reading a book um by a fellow called Robert Holden. I mentioned that in my book. Mm. Um, and uh, he, he wrote a book called Be Happy. And um, after I read that book, and I'd been through a really tough time, and then I'd, I'd got into a good place, and I, I was reading his book, one of many self-helpies I'd read over the years. <laughs> and I was like, he's been running happiness courses in London for um, oh, a long time. Um, and I thought, happiness, that's something I could write about, you know. And... Um, so I just started really and and at that point the the first thing I wanted to do was I was like I've got to get some stuff off my chest right so that was that was the story part the, the me part um, but in the back of my mind it's like yes I'm writing a book about happiness um, but I just didn't know quite what the structure would look like or um, I really didn't have a structure except to say it was going to be a, a kind of a bit about my story and then how can I help you? You know, that was that was it. Um, but there was no, it's not like I started with five steps to happiness or anything like that. I just wrote, you know, mm -hmm. and then that just, that writing process just kept going. So, um, you know, something would happen. I would meet someone. They would say something. I'd go, oh, that's interesting. 
uh, I kind of get that. And so I'd go and research it a bit and then I'd write it down. Or um, we've been running happiness courses for six years. Mm. So I'd, I'd be in a class with people because um, I teach meditation psychology as part of our classes. And, and I'd be in a class and someone would say something and, and then I'd reflect on it or talk to my wife, Danny, about it afterwards. And we go, oh, yeah, that's an interesting point. And then I'd sort of reflect on that and then I'd write, you know, some more on that. And, you know, so that's kind of how the process happened. It was like as the, as the courses developed and I read more and I did more research and life just happened. <laughs> um, you know, when, when I had something that I thought was important to write down, I'd just write it down. So sometimes I'd... Um, yeah, like I'd literally be walking home and I'd see a sign on, on the wall and I would say something. I'd go, oh, that's really interesting. You know, so that's just how, my, how it's been. Yeah. It just sort of happened. It was very intuitive, you know. It wasn't wasn't really mapped out. It kind of just came out as life evolved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for a book that is, like, very practical, it's just so easy to read. Like, I did just find myself just lying in bed just reading it like a book. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, probably where that's come from then is it's just come from this very organic, almost storytelling way. Mm. But even though... Through that, you've been able to go over to hear some tips and tricks and things to think about. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious um, to hear about your story, but I thought maybe I'd love to share a quote, which really grabbed me. It was like right at the beginning of the book. You said, um, many of humanity's problems are linked to happiness. I might not have all the answers, but I would like to be part of the discussion. And I, I just think that that's probably a lovely place to begin the conversation because um you are opening up a discussion on this concept of happiness Mm. um but i also know that later on in the book you said that one of your greatest fears was to write about happiness and heart meditation because it can come across as being um this is in my language a bit of you woo woo or spiritual so i was just kind of wondering like maybe to start before we get into your story like how you've overcome that sort of feeling of are people going to accept me for saying what I think and my mm. experiences um, and being able to literally put it in a book and then into programs for people? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're all fearful. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. um, that's, hum- that's the, way, the way humans are. Well, we don't have to be fearful, but that's kind of where a lot of us sit, you know. We can clear that away through the heart. Um, but I was fearful and, and like a lot of people, I want to be liked. You know, it's something I um, took me a while to get my head around, and I was like, "Oh, that's right. I just want to be accepted." You know, um, but then I kind of made the the choice after a while, after after battling with this, because when I started writing the book, I wasn't that honest about the heart. I didn't want to write about it, to be honest. I, I was like, "No, I'm just going to talk about mindfulness," you know, or being present, and those things are important, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but. I thought, no, I can't talk about the heart because then that leads me into talking about, eventually, talking about spirituality if people ask me the right questions, you know. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, but most of my friends aren't really into it. Um, some of them would take the piss out of anyone who had any sort of spiritual belief. And they're lovely people. They're my mates, you know. <laughs> they're great. But um, So I had that fear about um, about sharing about the heart. But then... After a while, I thought, well, why am I, why am I doing this? You know, like, and what's the point in writing a book that's a book that is trying to please others? It's not 
<laughs> it's not going to come yeah. across as genuine. Yeah. And it's not, the thing is, until I added, I started being honest and, and thinking I, I can write about the heart, then I had something that held the whole book together. You know what yeah. I mean? Which is what holds me together, actually. Yeah, this is a reflection of you. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So um, as my heart improved, because the other thing about the six years that I took to write the book, I've been um, doing heart practices for the last 10 years. And so as I did more heart practices and became sort of new, started to know who I was more and... Um, I guess developed a, a better relationship with the true source or, or the divine, you know, um, as that happened, then it, it felt it was easier. I was like, no, this feels right. It's okay. You know, so I don't need to worry about it anymore. And if people don't, um, feel comfortable with that part of that book, then, then don't read that part of my book, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, I'm not asking anyone to believe me anyway, um, in terms of the spiritual elements. What I'm uh, hoping is that people will, um, learn to strengthen and improve their heart and in so doing will improve their well-being and if they develop a sp some spiritual kind of beliefs or feelings um, through that that's great for them um, but I'm not asking anyone to do that I'm just mm. saying the heart's good for all of us um, it's the center of um, nice feelings like peacefulness lightness joy love these things come from our heart and we can in improve and develop our heart through meditation practices so um, that's my hope, you know, that people will get to feel more of those lovely feelings that I've been able to feel. Um, and if they develop a spiritual, um, you know, uh, you know, way of thinking or, um, feeling that's a side for that's for me, that's mm. a sort of a, a, a nice, um, byproduct. Um, yeah. but, but the other thing is I think like, you know, particularly in Western cultures, um, you, this, this spirituality is a topic that people you know a lot of people have a real problem with like they they're kind of almost angry about it and i get that because they equate it with religion <laughs> you see and and religion has humans involved <laughs> and humans aren't, aren't perfect you know mm. and and so just to clarify like religion for me is like um it's like a doctrine you know, mm -hmm. and it's a doctrine that is essentially comes from the brain, mm -hmm. right? So it's a set of rules that someone decided created. upon, created upon, right? Or created, yeah. Whereas spirituality is something that you feel that comes from within you. So it doesn't really require the doctrine. It just, it's just a connection, right? So for me, it's like, as I've, my heart's got stronger, I've felt um, more peace, more joy, more love, um, uh, more balanced, you know, mm. more of who I am and and more connected to myself, to others and to everything around me. Mm. And um, and so I sort of, that for me is the important thing, you know. So I don't worry about, um, you know, religion so much. Mm. <laughs> you know, if people are into religion, that's great. But um, I would say, you know, learn to understand yourself better through your heart and then, then what I'm saying might make sense to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And you actually concluded the book with um, love yourself, love, love others, and if you feel the need to, love the true source. So really what you're saying is the true source is just a strong sense of connection within yourself, like an energy that's sort of flowing through you 
um, that gives you clarity of who you are, where you're going, and your connection to the world around you. Is that correct? That's pretty much it. Like, so true source is a term that um, my meditation teacher, Erman Effendi, came up with to um, describe the divine, basically. Um, so he's saying it's the source of our true selves. So mm-hmm. in his view, he would say, you know, he would say, well, there's a creator, um, and that um, that is the source of who we really are, right? And so within our heart is our spirit, and that is, and through our spirit we connect with true source. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and for me initially when I heard this, I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. But I didn't really, because the feeling was developing through the meditation practice. I didn't really worry about it. I just thought, no, that's fine. And um, and then as my heart's developed and I've seen my life unfold in the most beautiful ways since I've done the practice, I'm sort of like, it makes sense to me now. Mm. And so I I don't, yeah, that, that's kind of how it's happened for me. Mm. And and whereas in before I did the heart practices, I, I, I mean, I was brought up with a father who said anyone who believes in God's an idiot. <laughs> You know, he was actually a Sunday school teacher um, at a very young age, um, but then um, sort of decided that religion was a bit crazy, you know. And, and um, so, um, and then my mum believed in God, but um, she, um, you know, sort of deferred to dad most of the time. So, you know, we uh, um, Christmas for us was we'd, we'd go to church once a year, right, at Christmas. And we would sit there and just take the piss out of the um, out of the minister. Basically, that was that was what we did, you know. <laughs> and so um, I, I always was very skeptical about anything spiritual or religion. I didn't understand the difference between the two either, by the way. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, um, I just thought it was all crazy, and I always felt sorry for people who had any um, of these sorts of beliefs. Um, but yeah, then I just found myself. Um, Starting the heart practices after a very difficult time in my life, I'd been I did um, uh, mindfulness for probably five years um, prior to that um, as a way of um, dealing with um, my mental health issues, and um, and I got some benefit out of mindfulness, um, but I it never really grabbed me. It never really um, yeah, it just didn't grab me. So I did it a bit got some benefit but was never committed and then when I started the heart practices um, through the Lotus Centre in Hobart it was much deeper and it was there was um, a lot of love and joy there which you, which I don't really get from mindfulness. Mindfulness will help you to become aware of yourself um, and what's going on in your mind, what's going on around yeah. you. Yeah. It will help you to relax, you know, all good things, right, all good things. Um, but the heart has a joy, a peacefulness, a lightness, an energy to it that is, oh, it's indescribable. It's so beautiful. <laughs> um, and it's something you can develop. And once I felt that, I was like, well, I don't need anything else. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it now. Yeah. And I, I, um, I would love to explain to people what, what the practice involves, but I, you know, I went through the the book and, yeah. and read about some of the practice and the things that I could do and I tried them for myself and I I absolutely in a very short space of time could see why you felt so strongly to now share this with other people because mm. it elevates that sense of well-being like I've tried the mindfulness stuff I mean I use it in life a little bit but um it's more about an awareness Whereas this is really about elevating a sense of wellness yeah. um, and yeah. connection with self. And 
and peacefulness and I mean like you say there's so many benefits but um but before we then delve into the practice itself I'm kind of curious did you you had the fear that the skeptics would be there and how they would judge you by Mm. coming across as spiritual or religious in however they wanted to view it but um were they there no 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 that was, I actually haven't. None of my friends, because um, quite a few of my friends have read the book, and um, and my wife's friends have read the book, and and other, you know, plenty of other people have read the book, and no one has said anything about it. Um, good, you know, I mean, they've just said, yeah, enjoyed the book, found it practical. Yes, it was helpful. I feel uh, uh, my um, wife's brother's um, partner. Um, she thinks that she's, <laughs> she was really nice. She said, oh, it's completely changed the way I feel. You know, she said, I didn't understand happiness was so simple. You know, so I've had those, I've had really nice comments, but no one said to me, oh, Ivan, I didn't realise you were such a spiritual person. They haven't. Mm. Um, so either they're just being polite or they're just like, oh, well, maybe what he's saying is, is okay. You know, I don't know. I don't know, but it's fine. <laughs> and part of it is like obviously reading the book and going, oh, that makes sense. But also part of it is like you being a model of excellence in your community and people being able to look to you and going, wow, like there's something really like special about that person, their calmness, their sense of happiness, their sense of gratitude, their connection with community, their connection with the environment around them. Like I'm sure they're also seeing that and that's helping them to be like, what is in this? Like, what what can I learn from this person? Um, do you agree? Oh. <laughs> well, if I, if I look, if I if I thought of, if I told you what I was like fifteen years ago, I was a completely different person. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I was as I said in the book. You know, I had a happy childhood up until the age of about twenty-one. Um, nothing really went wrong. Um, uh, you know, a few girls probably rejected me and, um, you know, I've missed out on a few sporting teams. But apart from that, life, <laughs> you know, life was great. I was very fortunate. And then I went through that rough period with my mum and dad being unwell for a long time. Um, and then I had my mental health battles. And and then I discovered, um, you know, both practices for the mind and for the heart. And, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think, I, I certainly feel like I'm a much calmer, happier, more sort of better adjusted person than what I used to be. And um, it's much easier being me now. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. if I've managed to inspire some people, then that'd be great. Um, I know the, cor- the course results we get um, are amazing. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we've, we added it up the other day. We've had nearly a 1,000 people through our courses. That's huge. Um, yeah, it's so we... We kind of making we are making an, an impact, and the results are significant. Like massive shifts in um, reductions in stress levels. People feel much happier. They sleep better. Um, they feel more peaceful. Um, their relationships improve. All of those things, you know. So, um, I mean, I don't like to think of myself as making. Um, you know, I ask people to do the work, so I'm just the facilitator. You know what I mean? So mm. it's the same with the book. Really, I'm, I'm saying, look, this is what's worked for me, but here are some questions to think about, and you do the work now, and then see what happens, mm-hmm. right? You know, so, um, yeah, I like, I like to be the best human I can, but I think we're all trying to do that, you know. But um, I, I'm hoping what I can bring to people is um, a few, you know, tools that are useful, um, some ways of thinking about the world um, that are, are beneficial, but then getting people to do the work themselves so they can change, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's all very well someone telling you something, 
but unless you're going to kind of own it yourself and go, right, yeah, I'm going to look into this and I'm going to ask myself the questions I need to ask and do the practices I need to do, no amount of knowledge is going to make you no. It's not going to make you happier. No. You've got to do the work. No, yeah. and I think we all know, know the times in our lives where we've picked up self-help books after self-help books and read them and gone, that's really interesting, but never really, like, stop to implement and really take the time to do that. Mm. So you're right. Like, But I think, you know, everything we do is modelled on excellence. It's certainly something I've been learning about more and more. And, you know, in our early childhood years, our parents are our greatest models of excellence. Mm. And you just mentioned that about, you know, their approach to spirituality and religion influences your approach to spirituality and religion mm. until you get to a point where suddenly you realise, like, hey, that model of excellence isn't working for me anymore. Um, <laughs> and then you seek other models of excellence out there. Mm. But if you want to model that excellence, you have to do the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so in some ways by being a facilitator at the same time you are being the model of excellence for the people <laughs> who are coming into the program. Mm. Um, and you skimmed across your story, and if you don't mind, we might just delve slightly deeper. But um, it was just before you arrived um, at at my place here my father sent me a message and he I thought I might share it with you because I think it'll really resonate with yeah. you and and how you've come to do what you do he said um I'm just reading about a farmer who teaches resilience to other farmers he tells them that they don't need to bounce back from a hardship but bounce forwards in their words you'll either win or learn it made me really think of you and and your concepts that you teach and um I really love that because you you did have a really you said you had a, you know a lovely childhood but mm. you reached a point at the age of 22 I think it was yeah. where um, you went through a lot of grief and loss and that kind of led to challenges with mental health and at that point you um you really had the choice of like sink or swim or bounce back or bounce forward and mm. you've really bounced forward in a way that like is now allowing other people to bounce forward. So um, I was just kind of wondering, like, if that's your story with a happy childhood and then an experience of grief and loss through losing your parents and their battle with health, like, how you found happy grounds and came to teach heart meditation. Um, could we, like, fill in the gaps for people? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so do you want me to share a bit about what happened with mum and dad? Um, you don't just look just briefly. I just think because a lot of people won't have read the book. Yeah, sure. I think it's more like it'd be lovely to have a little bit more context about how you got from, you know, from being in a in a tough place to being like, wow, this is my calling. Yeah, sure. I think that's the curious yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. We've talked about the the, the, easy, the easy part was to twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. So I'll just briefly touch on what happened with mum and dad. So. Um, yeah, I was about 22 and mum just started falling over um, and we were all a bit worried about it and we are like, what's going on? Um, turned out she had dementia, um, early onset dementia. So um, I think for her, she would have been maybe 58, 59, something like that, mm -hmm. not, not very old. I was, I, I said I was only 22. So, um, and um, yeah, so she battled that for 10 years and um you know that was just incredibly hard um for all of us i've got a twin brother derek sister megan and um and dad and we were just a very close family and mum was the center of it and um yeah so that was tough um incredibly tough and i didn't know how to cope so um you know i, I made a 
a few, did a few silly things over the years as a result, and I just felt miserable. Um, and so that's when I started reading about um, psychology and so on. I was trying to understand how do I become happy in this situation. Got a lot of counselling and so on. Um, and about four years before mum died in mum died in 2006, um, dad was diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. So he had bowel cancer prior to that. Um, got through that okay and then um, got prostate cancer and so he battled that um, and so he died in 2010 Um, you know and this is life you know things happen in life um, and unfortunately it's not always um, good for all of us but um, as a result of those difficult periods I had um, had some depression I had chronic fatigue for six months I had anxiety after a bad relationship for five years um, and then about, um, oh, just not long after Dad died, um, yeah, I had, uh, so I basically had, you know, 15 years of stress um, and my, my body was, and my whole system was um, very weak and, um, yeah, I ended up with bipolar disorder. So I had um, three manic episodes, um, two of them followed with depression. Um yeah, so that was the that was the tough time, and um, so I've still you know I've still got bipolar. You, you, you hang on to that one, um, but I've learned to manage it very well. I'm on a very low dose of medication now, um, a quarter of what I used to be on. Um, I'm hopeful that one day I can get off it, and the heart practices have helped a lot with that. Um, I just believe that um, you know while I while I I'm happy to own the label because that's what the the um, psychiatrists tell me I've got. Um, I also believe that um, you know I can. I can get through it um, and the practices have helped a lot so anyway that in terms of that rough period um, just after mum mum died in, two, in 2006 I I remember sitting down about a year later and thinking right I need to help some people right so I had a crack at writing a um, writing a book I didn't know what it was about but it was I was going to help someone because I'd been through a bit of shit and um, and I was like right Okay, so I started writing and I wrote three pages in a number of weeks and I just cried. I just cried and then I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. I don't know what I'm doing and I can't do it and I'm, you know, and so I just gave up. And so that was my first attempt. That was 2007. So the second attempt came in 2013. So that, that desire to help others would, had been there for a long time and my brother and sister have got it too, you know, and I think mm-hmm. anyone who's been through hardship in their life, pretty much all of us, whether we act on it or not, is you know we've all got it we're all like I don't want others to suffer like this you know Mm -hmm. um and so it had just been there with me and then um after reading that book from Robert Holden I was like oh he did it I don't I don't know what his personal story is he was an academic who became a a happiness guru but I thought well I had my academic training um I've got a PhD in politics and I've been a lecturer and tutor at university um I was comfortable in front of groups I used to be nervous as hell but (laughs) I got better you know and um and so I'd had this also Danny my wife has a psychology degree so um between me reading all my self-helpies during the difficult periods her psychology degree um I'd been a meditator uh, you know for quite a while at that point I thought I knew how to put a course together so I just did and I just started writing and I put a course together in, in about two months to sort of, you know, because I was working full time. Um, and then we had, ran some ads in the paper. Um, this was in 2013. Uh, got some friends together, had eight people for our first class. It was a, uh, what was it, 10 sessions, two and a half hours, mixture of everything we knew, basically. Um, and each of the, each of the sessions, um, 
or the, or the course had it was broken up into lessons if you like so there might be a lesson on gratitude and that would involve me um, talking for maybe two or three minutes on the topic just as an introduction and then there'd be some questions for people and they'd get in pairs and they'd talk about gratitude um, answer the questions we get back together as a group we'd discuss it and then it'd be like what have you learned and then they'd be okay right okay well let's do a bit more of that then in your life and then we'd move on to forgiveness and then we might do a meditation exercise um you know and that's sort of how the, the courses have been and uh, but we um measured, gave people a, a survey at the start and the end in terms of how they felt so this was a 10-week program that we called it happy grand program was the first one we ran and we do that with all our courses um and the changes are incredible. Like people, like I said earlier, um, people were significantly happier um, at the end. I think the figure's roughly like 70% improvement. Um, people were much less stressed. Uh, relationships were better, sleeping better, all these sorts of things. Um, and um, so then we just sort of kept going, really. Um, people were encouraging. After that first session, um, that first course, people said, oh, this is great, we've enjoyed it and we feel better, so you should keep going and that's what we did <laughs> and that's what just pushed us along and, um, and uh, yes, I've always believed that we're onto a, a good formula. Um, you know, uh, people need people and people can learn from people and yeah. I, think, I think we're all, you know, we've all got life experience. We, 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 um, we all have knowledge and we all have an ability to, to, to be um, teachers and also people who learn. You know, we all, we've all got both of those sides to us and that's the beautiful thing about group sessions that we mm. run is that, I mean, I I have my own experiences and knowledge and, and ways of viewing the world which hopefully are useful, but like I said, I'm more of a facilitator. I yeah. sort of prompt people and I, and that's one of the things. I'm also a trained facilitator, so I, I, I've learned that often it's good to shut up and just ask questions mm. because it's because it's much more powerful for a person as a learning tool for you to say, and, and um, you know, what was the impact of that? And then they'll go, or something like that, you know, mm. and they'll go, oh, right, and, and what caused that? Oh, that was that, you know, and then then it sits within them and then it's, they've got it. Whereas if you just sit up the front and, and inject people with information, <laughs> you know, it, it's very limited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's... That's phenomenal, though, how many people you've helped in a relatively short period of time. So 2013 was the first course. We're now 2019, and you've helped a 1,000 people in your courses. Yeah, just under that. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, you break that down, and you're like, that's a lot of people who are craving this knowledge that you have. Um, but I completely agree with you that there's something so incredible about pulling a group of people together um, and putting them in an environment where they feel like they can, I guess, develop that openness and um, self-exploration because we find that on our tours as well, um, mm. that it's the conversations that happen when you're out on the trail or you're sitting around the dinner table poking at strange Japanese food yeah. that you have that greatest learning and lessons and um and obviously that's what you've been able to tap into through your own courses. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we, you know, it, it's just a fr it ends up being a friendly community. Mm. Like it starts as people with, um, you know, with their challenges, which we all have. You know, that's how people start. They're individuals with challenges and they leave uh, generally in a much, much better place with a, a bunch of people they've got to know and 
and that's just how humans are. Yeah. The, the issue, I think one of the issues with the world these days is there's not enough of that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a formal course, but it, I just think our communities are changing and it's not all for the best. Well, we're tribal creatures. Mm. You know, we come from that. And even with the ability to connect so-called on social media and emails and phones and stuff, it's not the same. No. It's not the same as sitting around sharing a meal or a conversation or an experience um, mm. together. Yeah. And I think a lot of people at the end of the day are lonely. Oh, there's heaps of people. Yeah. Like, yeah. I often have that thought, like, gee, I feel isolated. You know, I'm yeah. like connecting with so many people, you know, like what is it, 250,000 on them following the podcast and you still have this thought that you feel isolated. It's yeah. almost kind of crazy when we think about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, it was really interesting to look at the results that you found through the program and we're getting there um, to what it actually really involves. But um, I'm kind of curious, have you followed how much, how many of those people have you followed up with like later down the track and mm-hmm. has the has the change been able to kind of be implemented going forward yeah it's a good question um we uh let's see with the happy ground program which was the first program we ran um we we followed up with a few people later on some we would bump into you know in hobart small um and some we would deliberately follow up with and um, more recently, we ran uh, our latest program called Happy Heart, Peaceful Mind, which um, has got a mixture of um, heart meditation and um, psychology um, mm-hmm. exercises. And we got funding from the Tasmanian Community Fund um, to run that program with people with um, mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ran it um, in consultation or, or, or with Flourish, which is a mental health uh, community sector organisation. I know I work part-time for them as well as doing Happy Ground part-time. And, um, and so we measured um, everyone with the Flourish program as well. We had 22 people through that program. And... What we found was not only did they feel a lot better at the end of the program, so um, it was like a two-day program, um, people felt a lot better, but uh, three months later we uh, video um, interviewed uh, five out of the 22 and just to, just to ask them how they were getting on now, um, and they were all doing much better. Um, they stayed well. Some of them had actually improved beyond the course, and that's what we find, I would say, as a general um, thing, what we found is that um, people who um, so everyone comes out feeling better um, if they continue to do the work um, so if they if they do the meditation practice if they're, if they're grateful every day if they you know do the other sorts of things that we teach um, then they will stay well or get better even better um, but uh, those who don't do any further additional work um or who have like a really rough period, someone dies in the family or, you know, something tough happens, um, then they can drop back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and this is what I've found in my own life to be true too, and that's why I meditate every single day. Um, I consistently try to be gra- as grateful as I can. I make sure I exercise, you know. I do all the sort of basics that, that keep me well. And, and, and that's what we found with our people is that come through our courses is if, the, if they keep doing the right things, they be, they stay they stay happier they stay more peaceful um, they become more resilient mm. um, if they if they drop off um, and they don't do the work then there's always a chance that you know they're not going to feel so good down the track mm-hmm. they become a bit wobblier again you mm-hmm. know um, but 
uh, if people continue to do the work then they stay well and and we know that a lot of people do continue to do the exercises which is which is good and that's one of the things we also teach is is habits is habit formation yeah i wanted to talk about that yeah yeah (laughs) yeah 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 before we do maybe now is the perfect time to say well what is what is the practice like um i think maybe it's appropriate to start with the heart meditation yeah. element and then we can look at your five steps to happiness yeah sure sort of mentioned in the book so what is heart meditation and really what is also the heart okay yeah so um we have a, a non-physical or energetic heart it's located in the center of our chest level with our armpits so um, if, if you've done have you done yoga mm, yeah yeah absolutely so they talk about chakras right mm-hmm. um, so chakras are like energy centers within the body um, mm-hmm. so um, and within uh, our body we have the energetic heart um, which sits so the heart sits within the heart chakra um, uh, it's it's something that is best felt rather than talked about, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean? mm-hmm. particularly in a Western culture, it's not really understood very well. No. Um, in Eastern cultures, I think it's much more um, understood. Because um, we think of the heart as the physical the heart. Pump. The pump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I just also, as we're talking about, like, I'd just like to say I... Um, I have a very similar background to you. My father is quite spiritual. My mother was, um, and I think has sort of changed, was very black and white. And Mm. um, with an experience of bipolar in the family and a lot of mental health challenges in my family, like I kind of came to a belief that um, spirituality was woo-woo and it's much better to just see what you see and think what you think and don't muddle anything up um but i've had to change like i've had to really take a step back and think about this and i'd just like to say that chakra meditation has been one of the most profound things for me yeah um that if i get out of balance i just do some chakra meditation i just found one on youtube at the beginning and started there yeah um and it's amazing the change that it makes so Mm. i just kind of wanted to add that in there because you're talking to someone who's like get the chakra meditation yeah um but now teach me a little bit more about the heart meditation yeah 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 so um the heart practices are are very simple so i should say so with my i'll go back to mindfulness i'll start there Mm. and then we can talk about the heart too that might help so the first thing is that it's the heart sits within the heart chakra Mm. that's it's an energy center um but mindfulness is really as i said earlier about awareness and and um what you do with mindfulness is you have an anchor right Mm -hmm. so it might be um your breathing it might be a spot on the wall it might be going through parts of your body right so but essentially with with mindfulness what you're doing is you're using your mind to calm your mind down right which is a bit difficult because our minds are all over the show yep yep (laughs) and then a lot of people start meditation go my mind's too busy and then they give up and then never go back to it because they say i can't do it right Mm -hmm. and that's sort of where i used to be um I never said I couldn't do it, but I just found it, you know, not all that effective. Yeah. Um, whereas the heart practices are, are like a feeling meditation. Um, so as I was saying, the heart is the centre of nice feelings like peacefulness, lightness, joy, and love. And and it's it's sort of um, one of the ways to think about it is that um, you know uh, women particularly they they say something heartfelt and they touch their heart. They know this is the centre of love and peace, right? We don't talk about it in Western cultures, but we, we just know it. 
Um, we don't have a brain-to-brain conversation. We have a heart-to-heart conversation, and that's because that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but also, um, as I was saying, it's a, it's a feeling practice. So um, the heart radiates a nice energy or love, really. It's really love. That's It's a very subtle, peaceful feeling. Um, and it can be that... But what happens during our life is that we um, we get burdened, right? So we have, um, uh, you know, difficult difficult things happen to us or it might be something little like an argument with someone or it might be a death in the family, you know, it might be any number of things. But, but essentially what happens is our heart becomes burdened um, and so it sort of shuts down, it becomes closed. Um, and that's um, why a lot of us um, sort of, and I know this for myself, when I've been through that 15 years of, basically misery um i was heavy i felt heavy and i felt really um yeah just just really down but also um my heart was closed it was really closed and then the first time i went and did hard practice i was like oh there's something lighter there you know and um for me it was quite um you can get quite emotional when you start to practice it's mm. like it can bring up a lot of stuff that's true of any meditation but I also got the sense, oh, this is doing me some good. And and then over time, um, those feelings of lightness and peace became more prevalent. The emotion gradually became less and less. Um, and then what the point that you hopefully can get to, um, and, and this is a lifetime journey, by the way. It doesn't, it's not like it just stops, <laughs> right? It go, goes on forever. Um, but we, the, the place that you can end up with is feeling much more of that love that comes from your heart. Uh, that beautiful, subtle, peaceful energy, and it just stays with you all day. Um, so, when it can be hard to get that feeling at the start, um, uh, some people take, um, or some people get it the first the first time they touch. So, in terms of the the technicalities, it's literally touching your your heart in the centre mm-hmm. of your chest with two or three fingers, and then you relax, and then you smile to your heart, and that's the that's the basic um, steps for the practice, um, and. Um, yeah so the but what you what you really um, the end result is that nice feeling so it's not like with mindfulness it's um, it's really about having a focus you know so it's like can I pin my brain Mm. on this um, on my breath for the next hour right (laughs) whereas with a heart practice it's like relax and smile without thinking about it and then just keep doing that and then at some point it might be it might be a year away of practice or it might be five minutes away you will feel a nice subtle energy within your body and then that will stay with you um, yeah you know and so it's like that's what you're um that's what you're really uh seeking i suppose you don't want to look for it because that'll that'll block it right yeah um, you mentioned that in the book as yeah. well like when you start trying to get it or thinking that you should have it it's kind of like it it disappears. Like yeah. It's like a, it's yeah. is like magic. It is like, it is kind of magic. <laughs> I believe in magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to believe in magic. Yeah. No, it is magic. Uh, and that's that's one of the things, like, it's a good point. Um, yeah, so our, our brain and our heart are connected, essentially. When our heart is open and and um, feeling peaceful and light, and then our mind naturally becomes more still. Um, but... If we, um, and then we get that nice sort of energy or love that comes from the heart, when we analyze it, when we try to get it, 
um, when we when we work hard because um, as soon as we do that we're thinking once we start thinking too much then we block it block the feeling um, so uh, that is one of the tricks actually is just to um, to not try not observe just relax touch your heart smile and and that's it you know so what <laughs> I've got so many questions so Maybe I should start with the most practical one. Like, how long do you practice your heart meditation when you meditate each day? Yeah. Um, well, what I would say to people is it's more important to develop the habit first and then worry about the amount of time um, because um, it's better to do shorter amounts that are higher quality, if you like, where um, rather than um, trying to do an hour to start off with or something like that you know um, because if you if you're really not yeah it just takes a bit of time to, to get um, to get the hang of it I suppose um, but ideally I would say um, half an hour a day mm-hmm. that would be the that would be the standard you know if you could get to that um, but what I um, tell everyone is look even if you, if you can just do 10 minutes a day to start or 10 minutes three times a week is the start you know but just to start doing something regularly mm-hmm. um and then as your heart develops and the feeling develops um then it's something you just want to do yeah, it's like a craving it's like it's it is yeah. um i run classes a regular monday night class in new norfolk and um and it's, I've only been doing it because we've we've been living there a little while, but um, we just started. And we like so we've been running the class for a couple of months, and I've got a regular group that come along now, and um, and that's what they're saying is that I miss it when I don't do it. I get agitated. I don't feel right, um, and so I they need to come every Monday now. And um, some of them are doing practices um, mm. at, at themselves, which is great. Um, we do an interesting little. Um, variation on the practice which is to touch your heart and not touch your heart so Mm. you're still relaxing and smiling but you take your hand away um and initially when i did it with this group um some of them felt there was something missing you know and then over the weeks that we've been doing it um that just the other day we did it and um they were like i didn't want to take my hand away because the peacefulness and the lightness just left a little bit you see so it's um it's yeah it's a, it's a really fascinating um practice <laughs> it's really interesting and so if you're saying that thinking closes down the heart like i mean my brain's going but i have to think all the time yeah yeah you know, i'm always thinking like <laughs> what next what to do how to do it how to write that email how to deliver the best podcast you know like I'm, yeah so how do we in our western world escape the thinking or does it is that half an hour say in the morning does that carry us through or after a heavy period of thinking should you be doing the heart practice again like how do you yeah i would say um look we have to think we have to do our live our life that's (laughs) that's the way that's the way it is you know so that's all fine um yeah i would say if you if you did your half an hour a day in the morning it sets you up for the day um as I said, this is cumulative, right? So you, you, your expectations shouldn't be too high at the start. You just just do it and um, do it regularly, and then over time, a period of weeks, months, or years, you know, you'll gradually develop that nice feeling that will stay with you. So that's that's the first thing. But um, then I would say, um, yeah, whenever you've been through a, a, an intense period, it, 
it's really good just to relax, touch your heart and smile mm. for just even for three, two or three minutes. You know, it just sort of settles you down, gets you back into your heart, um, and then you can keep going with your day. So for me, I do um, I do a practice for about an hour every morning, um, and then uh, during the day uh, at lunchtime, um, if I'm at work, I'll just go, okay, well, maybe 10 minutes here or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, or um, sometimes I listen to recordings on the way home when I'm driving my car and I just sit, I smile. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I sit, drive the car, smile, um, and just listen to the recording. And I don't ha- I don't touch my heart, doesn't matter, um, but I'm just there, you know, and then when I get home, I'm like, oh, that's better, you know. Um, so it's something that you can sort of build into your into your daily life, mm. um, and as you as you um, develop and feel more, you you kind of start to notice when you're not quite right. I think a lot of people, um, when they don't understand the heart, or or in fact they don't even understand that they're thinking. So a lot of people don't know they're thinking. They just they think they are their thoughts, and so they react to everything because they're in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas one of the nice things about the heart is. Um, and mindfulness is good for this too. You develop an awareness of, of what's going on with you. And and one of the things is, oh, I feel a bit tense. I feel not quite right. Oh, whatever, you know. And then you can go and do something about it. Whereas a lot of people, they feel crappy, but they just think that's it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas you, once you develop that awareness, you can sort of regulate yourself. And so then you can stay at that nice feeling, in that nice feeling for longer Mm. um, and do something about it when you fall out of it. That's so cool. I mean, I'm like listening to this and I'm like, I need, I need more of this in my world. Like I just, even just the last week, you know, we're opening a new store in Northern Tasmania. We've got tours to finish off for the year, tours booked for next year, lots of training plans, like all of it's exciting. Mm. But you can get to this point where you just can feel a little bit overwhelmed and you can't stop your head. Yeah. Like, and it's like, it's like you know you want to stop your head, but you don't know how to stop your head. And as you talk about this, I'm like, there is a secret. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, magic, you know. Yeah. But um, one of the parts that I've been learning a lot about, I'm studying neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis, which mm-hmm. is just a phenomenal ride loving it every bit of it we talk about anchors and i have you have you heard about anchors i know of it in in terms of um, meditation yeah so you Mm. can establish anchors you can there we all we have anchors everywhere like i've got my favorite mug sitting here on the table as soon as i pick that up i feel more like nurturing and kind of snuggly because it's an anchor it's like i always get up in the morning and have my cup of tea in that mug and it's that snuggly start to the day. Um, giving a hug, like you talked about the importance of hugs yeah, and hugging yeah. others, but hugging that person that you love is actually an anchor of love to mm. that person and connectedness. Um, but similarly, maybe picking up your smartphone, that feeling of picking it up is actually an anchor to stress. Mm. Like if every time you feel stressed, you pick up your phone and check your emails, you're actually anchoring that that device to that oh, emotion yeah right so i'm wondering about that touching of the heart is actually an anchor to that feeling so every time you do it if you touch your heart so you wait until you get to that optimal feeling of like connect you know connectedness to self and the divine as however you want to imagine it and you touch that center of your heart you're actually creating that anchor to that emotion and that feeling yeah so anytime even if you can't get there like as easily maybe driving the car, you pull over and you touch your heart, I bet you that that feeling would kick in a lot quicker. Yeah, it does. 
yeah. yeah so it's actually it's actually something that we teach on our trail runs is um maybe you're running along you're on this holiday with us you're having an amazing experience you get this sense of peacefulness and like oh this is what i'm meant to be doing and we talk about pressing the thumb down on the knuckle so like like a button and um anchor that feeling mm. and then maybe later in the day they're having this beautiful meal they're laughing and giggling with everyone there's a positive emotion happening again anchor it by pressing down on the button Maybe then they go to bed and they're lying in bed and they're like, oh, what an amazing day. I feel so relaxed and so positive. Mm. Anchor that feeling. We're pressing down on the button. And so then when they go home and then the hustle and bustle of life comes back into play, you press down on the button and this swell of like positive emotion just hits you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering whether that's like partly at play in the meditation practice that you're talking about of like anchoring yeah yeah your heart's yeah. the center of who you are so the more yeah. time you spend there the better you're gonna feel yeah and that <laughs> sensation of touching that chest and that feeling like yeah. is is anchoring it into you yeah it's so cool it's so there's so much of the world that we don't we don't get taught as as well as you know i think about all that time we spend in school and it's an amazing experience school but so much of this is so invaluable to like our well-being and mm. our um, ability to have peak performance in life. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I went on a rant. No, that's fine. No, that's cool. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we really passionate about this sort of stuff. Um, so, I, so I had a question, and that was: um, so, if the aim of this is to feel that sense of well-being and groundedness and happiness, what happens if? Um, do you ever feel sad, like? You're, you're like, in my mind's eye, like a model of excellence for, for how we practice this, like an hour in the morning a day and at times during the day, but does it stop you feeling other emotions? Because I'm guessing it doesn't, but kind of wondering. Um, no, I was, okay. So before I did heart practice, I know I went through some tough periods with my parents and everything as I've just talked about, but... I had a lot of emotion, particularly after all that. So there was, I've never been a violent or angry, angry person on the outside. Um, we didn't do that in my family. Like no one was angry. Um, you know, even though we might've been seething inside, we didn't really show it. Um, but anyway, I, but I had that in me. I had a lot of that and I was very sarcastic and I was pretty crapped off with the world. Right. And I had, and, and I would get disappointed. I would get stressed. I would get upset. I would get you know, jealous, I would get all of those things, right? Um, And this is, well, to a greater or lesser degree, we all have that within us, right? But um, Consciously or unconsciously. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, But we we all got a bit of negative emotion in us, right? Um, But what I found and others who have done the heart practices, you find is that that negative emotion that gets cleared away. Not all of it, it's still a little bit there. Um, but over time it gradually leaves us so we become more um, peaceful more loving more kind I said in the book um, in the introduction to the heart um, chapter that I firmly believe that um, our inner nature right is peaceful loving calm and and, and really quite beautiful that's who we are Mm. Um, but we get we have a lot of trauma so a lot of things happen to us which burdens us and then, then, then we become that part that we don't really like. You see that, um, but what we can do is clear a lot of that junk away. What sits underneath is gorgeous. Mm. <laughs> it is. It's for all of us, right? Mm. Um, and so it's just a matter of doing the work. Um, yeah. And then, and it's it just leaves you. You don't have to understand why. It just does. Um, yeah. You know. And but to finish the question, sorry, 
yes, of course, I do get, I still get stressed about things. You know, I'm trying to run a business, um, renovate a house, be a good husband. You know, I'm like everyone. I've got stuff on and, um, and I still get from time to time a bit stressed. But um, the degree to which I get stressed, worried and concerned about things compared to what I used to feel is um, vastly different. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess the language I've come to understand it is you have like unresourceful and resourceful emotion. Mm-hmm. So That's a nice way to think about it. I do it, a yeah. lot of um, now clearing work with my clients. It's different the way we do it um, using other strategies. But I often say to the client, you know, if we're going to say clear anger or clear sadness, it's not that you won't ever feel angry or feel sadness, mm. but you'll feel it in a resourceful way. Like, and... Um, so I think that's probably what you're discussing then is like you might have a sensation of stress or sadness in response to the human experience which you're all linked to but you kind of have this sort of overarching sense that you can deal with it in a resourceful way but you also physically feel different in your body and Mm -hmm. And that's that's why I say it's a feeling meditation True. so you actually you just don't feel stuff how you used to. You feel lighter, more peaceful, and more joyful the whole time. And it, so, um, but, and, and, and not just heart meditation, I'll just bring you to a bit of research which you may or may not be familiar with. Um, meditation has been shown um, eight, eight weeks, if you do every day for eight weeks for 30 minutes a day, it changes your brain, right? So, you, um, the part of our brain responsible for fight or flight response. All right, um, which will generate um, anxiety, stress, and so on, which is useful at times. You know, we run away from the tiger. <laughs> it's good to have the fight or flight response, but mm. um, but for many of us, that's quite active a lot of the time. Um, so we feel stressed and anxious a lot of the time. Um, meditation has been shown to reduce that, so that becomes less active. Mm. And then the part of our brain that records or is perhaps depending on your view um, responsible for happiness that becomes more active so we become happier less stressed and anxious when we meditate Mm. and that's 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 you know uh, published research so yeah and the other part of the flight fight response now that's becoming more like getting more um exposure is the freeze element flight flight and freeze and a lot of the clients i work with you just and i've i've had a lot of experience with this myself is that you get to a point where you've flighted so i guess flew yeah <laughs> you ran away yeah you know what i mean yeah um and then you're frozen sorry then you've fight you fought it and then you get to a point where you suddenly just freeze and you feel a bit stuck like you can't really mm-hmm. shift and move and um so what we're talking about with the heart meditation and meditation in general is you can start to get a bit more of a flow back and that sensation that you can move forward, you can move beyond. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, 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 um, in the book, then you talked about happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just maybe to begin this little bit of the discussion, um, would love it if you would touch on the three types of happiness that you discussed in the book, sensory, yep. circumstantial, and then unreasonable. Yeah. Um, so what is happiness in your words? Yeah. Well, um, there's lots of definitions out there and people have um, yeah, different understandings. And um, But I found um, Robert Holden's um, definition really good, really worked for me. Um, and, yeah, so he talks about sensory happiness, which is, 
um, the happiness we might get from um, our senses. So it's looking at, at, at nature. It might be might be hugging a partner, um, uh, patting the dog, um, whatever it might be. I, I'm a, I, well, I used to be a windsurfer. I don't windsurf as much <laughs> these days, but you know that's a, that's a, an amazing sensory experience, right? Mm. Um, and that gives us a, a, a lot of uh, joy at the time. You know, and it's good. So it's, that's one form of happiness. Um, another form of happiness is circumstantial happiness. So um, you might have the white picket fence and the lovely partner and the dog and two kids and oh, I think it's two point four. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. Yeah. So you've got all that, and so your circumstances are what gives you happiness. And I think, and that's important too. Like we all want to be comfortable and have nice um, circumstances. Um, now, those first two, very important, nice to have them in our life. Um, but the, the thing about them is they can be taken away from yeah, us. Yeah, they're fragile. They're fragile, right? And, and, and our whole kind of Western world is based on those first two. We're, we're told, you know, buy more staff, it'll make you happier. Mm. Um, uh, or, you know, do, do, jump out of an aeroplane, um, that'll give you the, that's the extreme version, right? Mm. You know, so you, you, um, trying to get that sensory happiness or, or you get the bigger house, um, you know, and that and the, the issue with that is they can be taken away from you. So you can lose your job and then lose your house. Um, you can become injured and then not be able to um, go windsurfing anymore. Yeah, that's a big one in my world, the yeah. clients I work with. Well, I'm sure like professional athletes must go through this all the time, right? You know, they're on, on top of the world and then the next thing they're just average human again (laughs) you know yeah absolutely Um, yeah so that those two are are important to have um but they they don't really anchor us the one that really anchors us is what holden calls unreasonable happiness so it's (laughs) It's a bizarre name because it's like it's unreasonable to be happy no what he means is it's a it's a happiness without a reason uh you probably yeah Mm, anyway mm, um mm. so what he's saying is that it's it's just really a, a sense of peace and joy that comes from within you see, and that doesn't rely on any, any of these other things. And then you talked at the beginning of the book that quote about, um, I know I know my name and I don't play by the rules of the game. Mm. And that's kind of the unreasonable happiness bit is like that, that, if I understand it correctly, like that comfort of just being okay in who you are and not needing any reason to be happy, but I'm just happy. Yeah. And I don't have to play by the rules of I need a house and I need you know more kids and a bigger car and da 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 like yeah. more success and more races and yeah yeah <laughs> that can be there but you're not reliant on it no no that's right okay, exactly cool, and right. that's why you know um people who have this unreasonable sense of happiness they their financial situation may be vastly different you know so you you, you i know wealthy people who are miserable and I know I, I travelled in India and I saw kids who had nothing and they had big smiles on their faces. It's like, what is that? Why, why is there that difference? You know, and for me, it's because some of them have got that unreasonable happiness. They just know it comes from within. They're just joyful because, <laughs> you know, mm. um, or actually not because, just the star, right? Um, they're those ones that you hear people say, oh, they're just so annoying. They're just happy all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that, that's the one that comes from within, mm-hmm. um, you know. And that's what we're talking about, trying to foster yeah, through meditative practices. And But then you go on and talk about um, five ones, which we sort of um, 
we've talked about a couple of them, which is the understand happiness and in, improve your heart. Yeah. And I think some of the other ways you talked about in the book were about learning to um, understand and express gratitude, um, to, to just recognize that center of love, joy, peace, and tranquility kind of in you. Yeah. Um, but then you go on to talk about improving your thinking. Mm -hmm. That actually got quite a lot of space in the book. Yeah. Um, so maybe we could just touch a bit on that because when I first read it, I was like, how? <laughs> <laughs> the mind feels like it has a mind of its own. Yeah. Um, so it's just sort of wondering maybe where, where this one came from for you. Yeah. Like, and then sort of now what you recommend and teach to some of the people that you work with. Yeah. So uh, as I said, I'd been reading self-help books for a long time, like 15 years I was trying to understand how to become happier. So I, I'd sort of learnt, read a lot of psychology. Um, I'm not a trained psychologist, but, um, you know, I'd done a lot of reading and, and some of it made sense to me, you know, on a conceptual level it made a lot of sense. Um, but for me, like if you can... If you can develop your heart first, then all of a sudden this stuff that you, you learn about with your brain starts to make a lot more sense because you've got that nice feeling within you. And so then it's very hard when you're miserable for someone, when someone sells you and, you, and your heart's heavy and someone says, be grateful, <laughs> yeah. you're like, yeah. bugger off. <laughs> it's true. It's like if you're in a, if you're in a slump yeah. and someone tries to cheer you up, mm. it's kind of infuriating. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. Like I was reading all these self-help books, not really getting any better because my heart was heavy. I was I was miserable. Right now, I, I acquired a lot of knowledge, which, um, as I said, useful if you've got a better feeling. You see, so you, that's why I've put the heart first in the chapter. Makes sense. You yeah. see, is to get the nice feeling, and then. When, and, and as I said, your brain, your, your mind becomes more still anyway when you develop your heart. So then it's just kind of kinder to you anyway, which is a big bonus. But then the things that the, the, the tools that I talk about in the book for your mind become far more useful. So um, be more grateful, much easier to do when you're starting to feel a bit better. <laughs> um, but we know that I, I would say um, other than improving your heart, being grateful is probably the most important thing you can ever do in your life. And, and that example I gave about um, the wealthy per person who's miserable and the child in India with nothing being happy, gratitude for me would be the main difference between those two people, you mm -hmm. know, all things being equal, if that was the difference. Um, because as soon as we, we have this natural tendency as humans to look for problems, right? So we spend a lot of our time worrying about stuff mm. um, and we hang on to um, things that are troubling to us for longer. That's what the research shows. But if you're grateful, that shifts all of that, <laughs> right? All of a sudden you're looking at what have I got, you know? So um, the, 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 person, the, the child in India who has a loving family, who, who, who doesn't have enough money but has a loving family and, and is able to run around, um, you know, and, and do whatever a child wants to do. Like that, that's all they need and because they, they recognise what they've got. And so they thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. You know, whereas if you're the wealthy person um, and you can't see that you are fortunate enough to be given all these gifts and whatever else that wealthy person has in their life, if they can't see it, then you haven't got it. Mm. You know what I mean? And so that's where gratitude is so important. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I uh, a couple of months ago, um, someone said to me, um, Ivan, you know, um, 
gratitude is probably the most important thing for happiness. And I, I think quite possibly he's right. Um, and he said, try being grateful 20 times a day. Um, and I said, all right, I'll give that a run. So I ne- I've never got to 20 times a day. I've been thinking about it. But just in the last couple of months, I've really, really paid attention to gratitude and it's made a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I'm just like, it, all my problems go away because I'm a natu- I naturally just worry about everything. Right? That's that's my. Yeah, I'm a bit the same. I have to admit. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of people are like most humans are like that. But the trick to get out of it, it's very hard to be grateful and worried at the same time. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed mm, that. But. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, it's really true. Mm. And I, I um, was given a gratitude journal, and I I did it for maybe a month or something. Yeah, and then I kind of was like. I feel like there's just another way and that is just being grateful and it and mm-hmm. it was actually for me more about expressing gratitude you know I'd go to the supermarket and there'd be this you know person that I didn't know helping me to check out my groceries and just taking that like 10 seconds to be like thank you so much yeah. and like genuinely meaning like thank you so much for being here today and helping me out mm. you walk out of the supermarket feeling lighter and i began to really notice that so now like i try to i try to i guess find opportunities to like express gratitude um right. and we bring that into our into our tours we have a highlight of the day so what was your highlight of the day um and you know i had a Yesterday was a harder day for me. Like it just felt like the, the to-do list had grown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was taller than me, and I was like, "Oh dear God!" <laughs> <laughs> and then, and Graham could tell that I was maybe hitting like a point where I was slumping, and he just turned to me and he's like, "What was your highlight of today?" Mm. And that in itself is an expression of gratitude. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I really hear, you, but but I felt like one that really resonated in the book with me the most was actually authenticity mm-hmm. because um i would also may i don't know the maybe the person that you might have in mind who has the wealthy car and the great job and more money and then the child in india but i would question whether there's another difference and play and that is authenticity mm-hmm. that yep. the child in india doesn't know anything different and is pursuing yeah their authentic path it's very easy in our society i think especially with the rise of social media and should mm. that um we should get onto a path that potentially isn't for us yeah um yeah i'm just wondering what you think oh no no that's spot i'm glad you raised it it's because it, it is absolutely fundamental um yeah i think lots of us um yeah just we just don't live lives that are the best for us and i think i think i think we all have a bit of a path really you know mm-hmm. and we can choose to follow it um or we can choose something else and a lot of people unfortunately um don't follow the right one you know um and I, in terms of um authenticity for myself like we've talked about it like part of um my journey has been learning to accept that my heart is a big part of who I am and it's okay to share about it, you know, like, and so for a long time I was part of a community of people who, um, you know, do heart meditation and I wouldn't share it with anyone. You know, I was happy to be with the people who did the practice, um, but I wouldn't share it um, with anyone else because of fear of being judged and it felt crappy. It felt really crappy. And the other the other big area of my life um, has been um, discussing my mental health battles. 
Um, you know, I, for a long time, I would admit to having had um, periods of depression and anxiety, um, but I would never admit to having bipolar, you know, because um, that, for me, like, that's just a level of weirdness that most people can't handle. You know, um, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it's it is. It's true. It's you so know? true. And, and so, but... And it's not like I want to go telling everyone about what's happened. I've written the book. I've done it. If people, you know, I, I give presentations now and, and I'm happy to share a bit about my story. And if people ask me questions, I'll answer them. But I've got to a point. It took me a long time, but I got to a point where I was like, I'm, I can do this now. I can admit to it and I don't have to feel ashamed. Yeah, well, but that is you. Like yeah. it is, it is the cards you've been dealt for yeah. whatever reason. And That's right. That is you. And and that really resonates with me. You know, there's been, I mean, a lot of what we're talking about, people could put in the self-compassion basket, do your meditation, and it's a, it's an act of self-compassion. And mm. we hear self-compassion thrown about all over the place at the moment. But so many of us, like, what does that mean? Like, is having a bath self-compassion? Is a massage self-compassion? Maybe. It's not if you've just beaten your body up and then you lie on the massage <laughs> table wanting them to fix you. Yeah. You know, um, I... As my listeners know, because I've talked about it a lot, but um, this year ran through the Pyrenees Mountains. And it's the first holiday that my husband and I have had for like years, five years, I would say. Yeah. We had three weeks off. We didn't wow. really even have a honeymoon. We kind of had snapshots of time, but we didn't have a honeymoon. And so my head started to go when we got out there like this is like a really special time. And what am I doing and choosing to do in this time? I'm choosing to run solo across the Pyrenees Mountains and my husband has to drive the car and support me. Although he had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. But my brain was going very black and white, just like that, feeling a lot of guilt um, that I was choosing to do this and to follow this pathway. And what I kind of came to understand later and later on, probably two weeks into the three weeks, I reached more of a spiritual place where the, the mind, the body and everything had quietened down a lot and I was left in quite a calm place was that this is me. You're a runner. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a mm, runner and yeah. I, I need to move and I love to move and I love to explore and I love to explore in nature but also in myself and where I'm going and I can't apologise for that mm. and I certainly shouldn't feel guilty for that. Mm. And the funny thing was that when I let that go, then I learned, I realised like just how much I then had that I wanted to put into my life, that I wanted to share with others. It mm. created this energy, like this tidal wave of energy, which is probably what I snowballed onto yesterday, was I came back with like, I can do this, I can do that. I can like, you know, in life <laughs> this felt so exciting that I probably got a bit carried away. Um, but, but I think that's, I guess that's what I come to now is like, we should all be really trying to pursue unapologetically who we are and what yeah. we're here to do. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And I guess that's where we've connected is that you put everything on the line really to follow this journey of teaching others about the heart mm, yeah. <laughs> and helping them find happiness. And it's so inspiring. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, ran over. Um, finally, Finally, you talk about um, living well with others as step four mm -hmm. to happiness. Um, I love the fact that you threw in there, hug others often. Yes. I'm, I'm a hugger. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and look at lifestyles. So 
you in that we're talking about more like exercise and nutrition and stuff mm-hmm. so maybe my question people can read about your tips in the book but um my question really came to like how does it all come together for you in your lifestyle and I want maybe if we can work with your lifestyle because you've talked about you have a lot on still yeah and yet you still find time for all of this mm. um my question when I read the book was like I love this but how would I fit that in that, that was my first reaction. Yeah. It was like, do I have to give away my my time running in the morning? Like, how... So I wouldn't mind knowing how you do, how your life, yeah. day really looks. Yeah, yeah. It would be really cool. Um, well, it didn't start out this way, but but these days I'm, um, I'm up at about 5.30, 6 o'clock. Um, I do my meditation in the morning. Um, I'm disciplined now. Like, I didn't... I've always been reasonably driven... Um, to do things but um, because my well-being is because I I think because of um, where I've been mm-hmm. you know and you know so I've, I've had these rough periods and I know that um, my goal is to get off the medication I want to live without medication you know um, and I want to feel calm peaceful loving and kind every day um, and because that's my drive, you know, I want to be a good husband. I want to be good at my work. I want to be, you know, and I just want to enjoy my life. You know what time I've got left, I want to enjoy every day. And so that's why I commit to doing these things. Like, so uh, an hour of meditation a day, little bits of meditation throughout the day, making sure I exercise. I play in a hockey team. I walk the dog or I run the dog. Um, I, I, do see, I do get out and see my friends, um, you know, and then just lately, Danny and I have been doing quite a bit of work in the garden, which has been really lovely. And and I guess I've just worked out that I need to devote some time to myself every day to be the best I can. And and I do it for myself, and some would say that's selfish, and I would say, well, no, because if I'm going to be the best human I can be, and that means being good to my wife and my friends and my family and everyone else, and I need to be given this time to do it, and so I'm always in bed by uh, anywhere between 9.30 and 10.30, but I'm up about 5.30, 6 o'clock. I do my practice and then I just get on with my day and I just live like everyone else. I'm, you know, I still have a few beers. Um, I go to our local pub um, once or twice a week and I've made a lot of friends up there. I, you know, I, I don't drink to excess now. I'm careful, you know, in my early 20s and teenage years, I was like everyone else, but um, well, perhaps not you, but... <laughs> But most people, um, but you know, like I've I've grown up and I've learnt to um, to behave in that way. But um, I watch what I eat, but I'm not, you know, too worried about it. Like I try to keep an eye on my weight, but I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not um, I'm pescatarian, so I don't eat meat, but I eat um, fish and and vegetables and stuff. So my diet's reasonably good, and I try to keep a bit of an eye on it. And then I, everything else in the book is just really. Um, it's just I don't consciously think about these things very much now because I've been living it for a long, quite a mm. time, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, and I'm far no. from far from perfect, but um, I guess these are just things I'm aware of now. So all of those mental triggers, for instance, um, you know, if I'm acting in a way that's out of alignment with that, 
then I can pull myself up and go, oh, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, don't be selfish or I don't know, I haven't even mentioned selfishness in the book, but you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I got that from my parents, but, but you know, like be forgiving. That's a big one, mm-hmm. you know? So if I find myself and don't judge, that's another one, you know, if I find, because we all do that, there's, there'll be, sometimes I'll see someone and there'll be a thought will enter my head and it'll be a judgment. And then I'll be going, hang on a minute, drop that. You don't know this person, you know. So they're just, I would say to people, like if you if you went through and did all the exercises in the book um, and you continued on with gratitude and, and um, heart practices and all those other things, just you've done the exercises, they'll sit with you. And then when the situation arises, you'll have a choice to make and hopefully you'll, con- you'll make the right choice. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. But it's not actually that complicated. It's not that complicated. No, and it isn't. And actually, if you were walking down the street today, you would just look like an everyday Aussie bloke in your hoodie. And like you're not. I guess I raise that because you're not. You're not like a guru, spiritual teacher who lives in their like little monastery and does their thing. Like you're an everyday person, and you're you're able to do it. And that's what I. I think that's exactly what you're saying. What I love about what you're saying is like, we can all do it. You can do it. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's about um, developing the habits. And yeah. Starting that's small. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I know that we're kind of like probably needing to get close to wrapping, but I, I do just want to touch on one more thing. And, and that was um, a comment you made in an email actually more to me is that um, we have to change as people, mm. you know, that, we look around at the world and I think we can all agree there's a lot of, excuse the language, but just crap yep. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the climate is crap. Yep. <laughs> um, I've had people write to me off the back of quite a few of the recent episodes. We've had a, a string of them on climate change and changes that we need to make and a lot of people writing saying, how do we stay positive? How do I keep my chin up? I'm feeling really demoralized by it. Mm. Um, but finding happy ground is um i guess at the center of solving a lot of that crisis and particularly environmental crisis i was wondering if you would share your views on that um yeah yeah Yeah. so um just for people's information and my doctorate actually looked at community engagement mechanisms (laughs) around environmental issues so i've been passionate about environmental issues for a long time i've to be honest i've never i've never joined a political party i've I've been limited in terms of what I've done. It's just been my life path, but um, I do have a real interest in environmental issues. But the reason um, I've reached the conclusion that our happiness is so important is, um, you know, I talked before about um, when our brain's dominant, right? Our brain has, I haven't really talked about this, our our brain has a tendency, as I did mention, to to, um, hold on to things that are problematic. our brain um, is always on, which makes us feel busy and stressed. Um, and it's fearful, right? That's how we are. And the other thing is our brain's quite selfish. You know, if we lived our life in our head all the time, we'd probably just think about ourselves. That's my experience anyway. I might, might be wrong, but we all have a heart, fortunately, so we're not, you know, <laughs> we don't all behave that way. But um, the heart is the centre of peacefulness, lightness, joy, compassion, you know, it's who we are and it's how we connect. So if you look at like human history, um, I, I went to um, Europe um, with my wife, uh, Danny, uh, in June um, and we went to England 
and I spent a bit of time looking at um, at old buildings and churches and reading up a bit on history. And, um, and then we went to Italy, and um, again, I saw a lot of churches, and I went to, uh, that's what you do, you know, and saw a lot of old buildings and talked to people, and um, the details are never never stay with me. I'm, I'm hopeless at remembering any details. But two, two, two things I came away with, uh, um, apart from a lovely experience, was... Human history, really, how we write, write and think about human history is often, um, particularly European history, I suppose, um, there's two main things that, hap- uh, that are sort of drivers. One is, um, unfortunately, war and violence. Mm. That's one. Mm. Um, and then the other is a search for meaning, you know. Um, they're the two things. Uh, and for me, the heart is the answer. It will balance out when, as I said, when my heart becomes stronger, it balances out our brain. So those those emotional tendencies that I talked about earlier, the things that cause war and violence and all those sorts of things, they if if, if collectively our hearts were to change, we would not want to follow those things anymore. Mm-hmm. You see, um, and so that's why I think uh, I hope my book could make a difference because if we think about the environment, right? Um, we make choices every day that aren't good for the environment. Unfortunately, I do as well, right? We all do. But our whole system is set up, unfortunately. Like, there's a lot of good things happening. So we firstly be optimistic and, and because there is hope. I firmly believe we have everything we need to fix this crisis up. I do. Mm-hmm. But we've got the technology, right? We've got, we've got the resources. Mm-hmm. What we don't have is ourselves functioning at our best. Yeah. You know, at the moment we're being run by our brains, or a lot of us, um, and people, in unfortunately, in powerful positions, um, you know, are, are being run by greed and self-interest. Um, and if we can, but if we can collectively change to be more in our hearts where there's compassion, love and care, um, then I think we'll be living our lives differently. We'll make different choices. Consumers won't do things that aren't as good for the, for the planet. You know, and we will be able to connect with the planet in a way that, you know, up until this point we've never been able to do. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, if we can if we can rebalance our heart, our heart and mind, um, and do that on a, on a large scale, then then the world will change. Mm. But if we if we don't change as humans, unfortunately, I don't think you know, I, and I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but. If, if we don't change as humans, what's going to change? Like, mm. you know, um, so that's why I think, you know, we really need to think about and, and then act on um, the things hopefully that are in my book. I'm not, I'm not presuming to have all the answers, by the way, but for me, that's the fundamental change is if we're more in our hearts, you know, good things can happen. And that goes right back to what we were talking about at the, at the beginning is like you've just stepped up and you said, I just want to be part of the discussion. Mm. I don't claim to have all the answers, but you have an important part of the discussion. Um, and so what you're really saying is that we need a groundswell of people that can live more in their heart, less in their head, yeah. <laughs> yep. and be driven by that, I guess, that sense of intuition about the, the right choices that need to be made mm. Mm. so that we um, don't keep making the same mistakes over and over yeah. again. What's yeah. that famous sound, um, Einstein quote? Like, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different mm. result. Mm. Yeah. And that, that's what I was saying. That's why um, going back to Europe was so grounding for mm. me because I was like, what have we learned in 2,000 years? Like, what have we learned? 
<laughs> really, I mean, their technology's improved, and I don't want to sound negative. Like, there's a lot of wonderful things that we've learned and developed, but as humans, have we actually changed within us? Mm. You know, I don't think we have a great deal. Mm. But there is, there is, uh, there is a lot of hope. Mm. <laughs> you know, and that's what I would want to make sure people know: is there is hope. Mm. You know, we can change. We can change very dramatically, and there are a lot of wonderful people in the world doing it already, and that can can continue that but um yeah uh I, I don't know i'm just i'm just oh yeah there's a lot of there is a lot to be grateful for but i do think that that change that shift in our heart needs to change yeah needs to happen. do you get a sense that we're ready for it yeah yeah i do yeah yeah because i think people have been stressed out and worn out and sick of it sick of the way that we've been yeah. conducting ourselves for a long time i mean when i was um so I'm 44. So when I, when I grew up, um, I think I was brought up in a very fortunate. I had a very fortunate existence, um, but the world was very different. Like, and we're only talking so 30, 30, 40 years mm. ago. Um, Dad used to work full time. Mum did a, a few hours a, a, a week. Um, she was a mother. Um, we we had a nice house in South Hobart. Um, there was time and space in my family to connect with each other and to live and look after each other and have friends and, and, and life was very different. And and now, you know, like um, I've just been trying to readjust my life um, recently because I, I went from having a full-time job to being part-time and now part-time with Happy Ground. And, and now when I have a day off, there's this part of me that's been sort of um, affected over the last 20 or 30 years by our whole Western education system and the way we live our life. I'm having a day off, like, and there's part of me in the back of my mind going, oh, you're not doing enough. You're being lazy. Guilt. Guilt, right? You know, and, I, and really, when I look at what the mentality was like when my parents were alive and when I was a child, it was like, there was none of that. It was gratitude. Yeah. It was the flip opposite. It was the opposite. Yeah. And that's where we need to get back to. It's like, um, that's one of the beautiful things about living in New Norfolk. I say to people um, jokingly, but it's kind of true. It's like living in 1980 with um, with the internet. <laughs> but I love it, right? It's, <laughs> it's simple. You know, there's a community out there and people just connect and you just shoot the breeze and you don't... You don't have to have an agenda or a getting to anywhere or you can stop and talk to people in the street for 10, 20 minutes and it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And that's what life used to be like and we've forgotten all that, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of us have, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So if I take that then um, and in conclusion, what would be the wise words of wisdom to your younger self? Um, oh, enjoy your life. <laughs> yeah, just enjoy your life. Be grateful. Um, be yeah, happy be happy that's it really <laughs> do that and everything else will sort itself out fucking happy grounds well <laughs> I'm so grateful that we actually met at Aaron Schultz's book opening yeah. which we had in Hobart small mm. intimate but I think a really amazing evening yeah it was great um, and I'm so grateful that you came up and asked if I would like to read your book <laughs> and um, have a conversation with you because I've really got so much out of it. And um, I think what also makes me excited um, 
again, I've, I've mentioned this a few times, but I keep bringing it up because it was probably one of the most profound things ever said to me was I was walking along with Rob Blakers up in the Central Highlands after the 2015 fires mm. that tore through these incredible Gondwanan pencil pine st- um, sections of forest. And I was feeling really down, like, what's going on? What can I do about this? And he just came up and put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Han, we just have to believe that there's all these amazing people out there doing amazing things and eventually we'll all come together. And I feel like today's conversation has been like part of that missing piece of the puzzle. Like I really hope that others kind of get as excited about it as I've definitely got. Um, We've now got a few copies of the book at the shop. So I'll put up a link to where people can access them and also to your programs that you're offering in your website. Um, But, yeah, I really do encourage people to reach out to you. A lot of the listeners are on the mainland. Is that a problem? No. No. No, that's fine. They get in touch. We can do stuff on Skype or we'll work something out. Okay. Yeah. And we also have listeners around the globe, so that'll challenge your (laughs) (laughs) routine. That's all right. Um, But, yeah, no, thanks so much for today's conversation. Oh, no, thanks heaps. It's been great. Cheers. Cheers.